Here's a, a, a quote from an article uh, from our next guest. Note to Justin Trudeau. Polyev's team is vicious. Take early retirement if you want to keep your sanity. But apparently the prime minister hasn't got the memo. Instead, he's pledged to run again. And the grits are girding for battle, pumping out attack ads. All part of an article entitled, I discovered firsthand the power of Polyev. Liberals should be afraid. The article written by Tasha Carradine in the National Post. Tasha joins us this morning from Toronto. Good morning and welcome back, Tasha. Oh, thanks. Great to be with you again. Well, it's good to have you with us. Last time you and I had a conversation, the conservative leadership uh, race was well and truly on. You were on Team Charest, and you were uh, actually heading to a rally in Quebec City at at that particular time. That's right. And so here we are after the thing is all over. And the subheader on that, uh, quote, if we have one takeaway from the past eight months, it's that a lot of Canadians are angry, close quote. And you go on in your article, Tasha, to talk about the ability of the Polyev side to translate that anger into political mileage. That's true. And I think that's one of the reasons that explained um, Polyev's, uh, Pierre Polyev's success is that there is a sense of alienation and disconnect um, from whether it is you want to call them elites, he calls them gatekeepers, people in, in office. Um, I think also from the media, uh, there's a lot of anti, anti-media anti campaigning that was done during leadership, and it's continued since he's taken office a mm-hmm. bit. Uh, so, you know, mining those those groups of discontent and bringing them into the conservative tent. Um, so, yes, that, that is something that Mr. Trudeau is going to have to reckon with. A lot of the anger stems from things that were done under his watch, obviously, some that, you know, like the pandemic, vaccine mandates and other things that were done mostly by provincial governments, but people still blame the federal government for a lot of the woes that they are facing. Indeed. So uh, let's talk a little bit about where the anger is being directed these days, because uh, it, now we're, we're starting to see a little more focus. And even inside the Conservative Party, they lost they lost a senator and one MP who just simply were incapable of making the adjustment to the new reality. That's not bad, considering the size A, of their presence in both the Senate and the House, and more particularly, Tasha, because of the size of memberships and the new energy brought into the party by Team Polyev. Yes. I mean, anyone who expected a big uh, stampede of people out of the gates uh, would have been disappointed. I didn't expect that personally. I think people knew what was coming uh, a few weeks before, if not a month before, the results were announced. Um, our team didn't expect it to be quite as, as significant a victory for Mr. Polyev, but in fact that makes it a bit easier. I think that's also explaining perhaps why you haven't seen people leaving the tent in numbers greater than, you know, two. I mean, that's really, it's not significant in yeah. terms of numbers at all, um, because they know that this is, the membership has spoken, right? And, and he has a clear mandate. Uh, the schism that existed between populist conservatives, it's it's, I would say, pretty much settled now that the direction that the party is going to take under him is a more populist tone. That said, he still is reaching out across the aisles, uh, so to speak, to the other side of the Conservative Party. He is meeting with, he, he had dinner with Brian Mulroney. Yeah. Um, he spoke to Josh Ray on the phone. He uh, has been meeting with, he's meeting with every single MP in caucus to talk to them as he prepares his shadow cabinet that he's going to unveil in October. So the outreach is happening um, to keep people in the fold, and I think it's a question of focusing the message. The first couple of days, he left, as I say, a lot of the crazy at the door. Yeah. Um, he did not talk about things like the WEF and, and why this is a you know a conspiracy to have people own nothing, as some people who, who believe that. He, you know, he alluded to that stuff during the, his run, but he's, he's not talking about that. And 
I think if he keeps that up, that will send a positive signal to people who are in the more centrist part of the party and also in the voter base that, you know, he's going to take issues seriously and he's going to focus on stuff like the economy. Right. Uh, I wanted to go back to your point about the media for just a second. Could it be that Pierre Polyev is taking a note or two from another Pierre who uh, was kind of top dog in this country for a while? And I'm thinking of Trudeau the first, uh, whose mm. who's disdain, Tasha, you may recall for the media, was legendary. He absolutely hated the media. And because of that, they adored him and followed him around and, and did quoting everything he said and did and all the rest of it. But he, he had enormous disregard for the media while completely understanding how to manipulate it. Is there some of, something of that going on with Paul Yeb, do you think? That's an interesting point to raise. I've actually watched some of Pierre Trudeau's most famous or infamous exchanges with media, including the one where he said, just watch me. Mm-hmm. That was you know, the clip uh, when asked how far he would go on the October crisis or against the FLQ in Quebec in 1969. The difference, though, is that Trudeau engaged the media. That little clip is prefaced by a discussion with a reporter where, where Trudeau ends up asking him questions for over five minutes. Mm-hmm. It goes back and forth. He was not, he engaged the media. That, that is the difference, I would say. I think that Pierre Polyev goes around the mainstream media. He has a lot of disdain for it, yes. But his, his response to that is to not engage with it, to engage on social, to engage with uh, alternative types of media, um, you know, things, outlets like the True North, for example, mm-hmm. that are, operate online. They don't have over-the-air signal. But he does engage with, um, with them. Um, and that is, it's a different approach. Uh, but yes, the, the root of it is the same, is that he doesn't, he doesn't believe the press gives him a fair shake. Um, and I think, you know, you can obviously, you can use that. I think it descended into a bit of a silly season this week, frankly, um, uh, you know, for the party harping on that issue of a reporter who had made a comment about shooting horses, right. shoot horses. Right. Okay. Uh, it's a figure of speech. And taking it to the extent that this person should essentially be, you know, canceled from the press corps in a way, I think was a bit absurd because conservatives deplore cancel culture on the left. So don't implement it on the right. But You know, um, I think, like I said, I hope the focus becomes on the issues that really matter to people, which is the economy, inflation, housing, stuff that Pierre was talking about during his leadership as well. And that's what people are really worried about on the ground. Your latest book is called The Right Path, How Conservatives Can Unite, Inspire and Take Canada Forward. We're talking about the anger that Mr. Poilievre has clearly identified and tapped into. He's also being very forthright and very frank about being a very proud conservative. Uh, That's something that one hasn't heard in this country for quite a long time, Tasha. Right, and we didn't hear it during his leadership at all. And that was something I did point out um, a couple of times um, because it, it, it bothered me that the leadership that he was running did not reference conservatism. You're running for the leader of the Conservative Party, but he was running for prime minister. And the folks he was talking to, strategically, I get it, the people that were, he was recruiting into the party were not conservatives in the sense of they consider themselves conservative or ideologically. They were not necessarily political at all. Right. In some cases, never voted, mm-hmm. or they might have voted for other parties. I, I interviewed people who were supporters of Pierre who voted Green and Liberal and other in the past, sure. even NDP. Um, and so the, the, the tactic was smart, but I think now um, he has tacked back to talking about the Conservative Party, because that's going to be the party on the ballot. And that's the party that he has to rally the troops for, for people who do, to whom that does matter. And I think, like I say in the book, there are a lot of conservative principles, you know, smaller government, local government, respect for freedoms, but also responsibility, let's not forget that one, that you... That, that are solutions to the problems we're facing. And I think that you can frame 
the issues, that the, the solutions to populist concerns in a conservative manner and ditch the rhetoric that is more inflammatory, that upsets people in the center, who it turns them off, right, in the big cities where I'm sitting, for example. You want to make sure people feel comfortable in the conservative tent, and there's a lot of language and policies you can use to do that. Indeed. Tasha, almost out of time, but I am curious, because I, I did quote your memo to the Prime Minister <laughs> about the, the rather aggressive nature of Team Polyev. I wonder what your thoughts are uh, with this supply deal with the NDP very comfortably in position to stay for as long as he wants, at least till 2025. Do you think Justin Trudeau is going to stick around simply for the ego battle Pierre Polyev represents to him personally? I don't know. I think it's really going to be a question of where the polls go in the next couple of years. I don't think this is going to last till 2025, I but I don't think it's going to disappear tomorrow. Um, you know, polls show the Conservatives have gotten a significant boost. So Mr. Trudeau will, will wait and watch. That's his prerogative. And, you know, as far as the NDP goes, they're going to have their lunch eaten from both ends. Both I agree. Conservatives going to the, you know, more working class labor vote in the, in the NDP and uh, the environmentalists, more left of center, that's Trudeau's bailiwick. So I don't think they're looking forward to the next election at all. <laughs> Interesting stuff. And, of course, I'm going to talk to you uh, in a couple of weeks, I hope, about what happened in Quebec. You've written about it in, in the Post yes. this weekend, saying the Quebec election has profound implications for the rest of Canada. It's coming up a week from Monday. So can we make a date right here in front of lots of witnesses to get together <laughs> post-Quebec election for a little uh, analysis, Tasha? I would love to do that. So right. sure, yes. Give me a call. I'd be happy to break it down. All right. Layla will be on your case real soon. Thanks <laughs> okay. very much for this today. Great to have you back. Thanks so much. Have the, a great weekend. You too. Bye. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.